world of e-commerce can be tricky, and that's why you need the experts to help take you to the next level. This is Delivering E-Commerce. Delivering E-Commerce. You'll hear from leaders and industry experts from around the globe, letting you in on their stories and journeys. Your host has 25 years in the retail industry and has been leading the strategy and development of e-commerce sites for 17 years, working with Walmart, Newegg, Big Al's, Rins Pets, and Home Hardware. We think he may be qualified. This is Delivering E-Commerce. And this is Chris Parsons. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Delivering E-Commerce with your host, Chris Parsons. That's me. And today, I'm very, very excited. I get the opportunity to introduce to you Chris Jarvis from GoFor. And we're going to listen to Chris talk about his journey in e-commerce um, for the last number of years. And when, when we get to the end of this, he's going to actually talk about how his company is truly delivering e-commerce. So I'm really excited about that. And Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you to speak to our audience right now. Okay, great. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure being here and talking to your audience. Uh, I think I think you described it. It's been a journey. It's been uh, over 20 years of a journey, and uh, you know, it started, uh, I guess, with my education in, in industrial engineering, um, coming out of coming out of school and and seeing what was in front of me. What I what I do for sure is I wanted to do something different, and that led me to that that led me to retail. Um, had a short stint at Loblaws and got familiar with uh, what what happens in a store. I learned about uh, POS systems and and inventories in a store and how you unload a truck and fulfill a store and 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 that kind of got me got me really excited about you know what what happens in a store, why do people buy, where do they travel in the store, what are the logistics and systems that keep a store functioning on a daily basis. Um, that brought me into the Hudson's Bay company and I was really fortunate to be there at a time uh, and and got to see everything from, you know, mass merchandise to to luxury goods, everything in between. I mean, the Hudson's Bay company had home outfitters at the time, Zellers, um, the Bay, a number of different uh, brands and and banners that they were they were working with. And I got to uh, participate in them all. Um, But, you know, interesting fact, I was there actually when when Hudson's Bay launched their first e-commerce site. If you can imagine that in 1999, 90, 2000s ish, I guess, launching their first site. And I was a project engineer on the team helping to map business process. And we're all contemplating, well, what, what is the world of e-commerce and what will it be? And uh, look what it's become now. So yeah, 20 years later, it's been, it's been quite a journey to, uh, to look back on. What but, I find funny, Chris, is that anyone I speak with in, in retail, no one really chooses retail as a path, as a career path. And then once they've once they've worked in it for whatever reason that brings them to retail, they absolutely end up loving it. It's 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 one of those areas and one of those things that has so many facets to retail that absolutely. you don't have to just be in marketing or the sales floor or you can go into logistics and you get into the merchandising. Like it's got so many facets. It's a really rich industry, mm-hmm. but I think it's one of the ones that people when they're in high school, going into college, they're not really thinking about it as a destination. And then they get here and they love it. Absolutely. I mean, it it, it kind of drew me in early, I, unlike some people, because for me, it was it was nonlinear, right? It's relatable, but it's complex at the same time. We're, we're all inherently shoppers and consumers at some level. But from an engineering standpoint and from a purely operational point of view, it was how do you optimize for all of these unmeasurable things? What will the customer do next? Why do they do it? And how do we best serve them uh, in a predictable way? It's, it's, it's not, it's not always easy, but that fascinated me. And uh, I kind of fell, fell in love with retail at that point. And then, you know, from, from there, it, it became this, you know, I want to say somewhat reluctant uh, entrance into logistics and supply chain um, with DHL. So, uh, you know, from, but that, but, you know, it had, it had a retail slant to it. They, they yeah. wanted to um, launch a, a retail vertical. And, uh, you know, that's where I got to, uh, I, I like to say, get my PhD in supply chain management from DHL because the first day I worked there, I, I've never been in a warehouse before. And uh, I was a, I was a retail store ops guy. Uh, I knew the industry. I knew global supply chains. I knew how retailers worked. And it was so. How do we sell 
warehouses to these people um, was really why I was there and how I could can best contribute. Uh, after after five years, we grew a successful business, and lo and behold, I ran an I ran an engineering team that that designed and built state of the art warehouses. So, you know, after that time, I really seen both sides of the coin: the the logistics, design, supply chain side, combined with the retail, and and how uh, you know from there took me into you know, getting away from airplanes and spending some more time on the ground, truth be known, and uh, joined Metro Supply Chain Group, where, you know, spent the better part of eight years uh, working with them, building building their business and growing in that into the U.S. And along that journey, got back into retail, opening retail warehouses, doing an M&A in, in the e-commerce space, and, and uh, really helping a small company move into what is a super huge going concern now with uh with the growth of e-commerce and that's 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 really the full the full the full trajectory for me bringing me uh to now with uh go for delivers cool and before you get into speaking about go for i want to touch on a few things in your in your journey sure. um, one is where we've got a common connection with tony um uh, we, we we've known him both for a number of years and i, I just think the world of tony and you know, I love to talk about people in the industry, ones that have made an impact on my career and people that I can seek for answers uh, on questions that I have. And uh, Tony's been one of those guys that just he's so well connected. He's so respected. And to be able to just reach out with him, to him and ask him anything, he's always made time for for me personally. So um, I would love for your your we talked a little bit about Tony and uh, yeah, and conversation. Yeah, it's a great guy. And I think, I think Tony's indicative of the industry, right? I mean, looking back on 20 some odd years of, of, of experience, uh, the world is small, the networks, the networks are connected and it's about finding people that want to give back and, and connect with each other. And I think Tony, Tony is one of those individuals. Um, if you want to get somewhere and talk to someone, Tony generally knows them and is willing to help. And I think, um, I think that's a big part of, of, you know, why, we bring innovation into supply chain and, and how e-commerce is evolving. It's through, it's through like-minded people sharing their experiences, opening up their networks and collaborating. Um, for, for me, I think a big, a big part of this is uh, collaboration and, and, you know, now more than ever businesses have figured out that coll- without collaboration, you know, it's, it's going to be really hard to compete in the new, in the new coming years. Yeah. And so just so we can give every one clarity on who Tony is. Tony worked yeah. with you at Metro and he's now working with you at go for and what does, what does Tony do for you? So Tony, Tony's a VP of, of national sales. Tony, Tony gets out there every day and introduces our brand to, uh, to retailers that could use our services. Um, he's the great connector. I would call Tony. He's the, he's the guy that says, uh, I found someone with a need and we have a solution. And so he brings us together and, and in, in a way that's authentic in a way that's, you know, uh, you know, understanding their needs and, and how we can help them uh, as partners. Um, that's, you know, really where, where Tony plays best. And so the, you had some great experience at DHL and you had this, this retail background as well. And, and you get to Metro and it leads you up to go for how did those experiences help you prepare for what you're doing with go for now? You know, I, go, 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 go for is kind of a combination of, of all my experiences in my career. Um, you know, the biggest part of it really is, you know, logistics, um, but this understanding and, and awareness of today's shopper and, and how retail has been formed and why last mile delivery and the innovative things that we do with technology, what role does it play? And uh, it's been rewarding to kind of come to go for and see things from that tip of the spear view of, of what is next and where is, you know, where is the puck going to be? Not, not where the puck is, right. Kind of a cliche sports analogy, but uh, it is, it is so true in in business as well that, you know, for me, the past 20 years have somehow led to, you know, a logistics experience combined with a retail experience to be working at a, a, a a state-of-the-art technology company who's positioned itself around the new, omni-channel world that we are uh, we are embarking on and uh, yeah so i think i think as we think about that it's a uh, go for go go for is a place where you know we're exemplifying innovation and and trying new things and i i think my role here is to to help facilitate that with 
you know, some experiences that I've had and some understanding and some context of, of where things are going, but more importantly, where they've been as well. And an understanding of, of why, why go for is important. And uh, I think it's great to have a lot of energy around a startup and try new things, but I believe that there's a, uh, a good sensibility that comes along with experience that gets brought to the table um, in the position I'm in now. As you, as you talk about go for and um, where they're going to go and where the industry is going, um, what I'm what I'm really excited to see from go for is those relationships you've already started building with different retailers mm-hmm. and how they mature over the next little while. Is there is there someone that you can speak to that's doing it right with you guys right now? Um, and or do we all have room for improvement with our partnership with go for? Great question, Chris. I mean, who's doing it right? You know, I think those that are doing it right are willing to try and, and, Mm -hmm. and, and, and are attempting to do something. You know, we, we all recognize there's opportunity for improvement and we're definitely in an era where we're not sure exactly what the future is going to bring a lot of, lot of talk about adaptability and the ability to, to be ready for whatever the next challenges are. And, you know, long gone, I think, are the days in the last year where it's about rigor and, and one size fits all. We're now talking about flexibility and adaptability and, and opening our, our, our preview to other other solutions. So when I think about someone that we work with who's doing it really well, um, I, I think about our, our, our number one customer, which is the Home Depot Canada. Um, they sunk into go for well over two years ago. Um, they were inquisitive. They were curious. They asked us to start a pilot in Calgary, and you know, over the course of the next two years, uh, we've we've traversed the country with them. We've opened up car and cargo van and box truck, and now we're going to do threshold delivery. And we're uh, really really been a a true partnership around collaboration. I remember sitting with them in May of 2020, maybe it was just before May of 2020, just before the first wave of COVID hit and uh, looking across the table and saying, so what do we do now? And, you know, them and us really connecting around where there's a will, there's a way is what we both said. And we said, we don't know what that means, but we're locking our store. We're closing our stores. The environment and the shopping experience is changing as we speak. What can we do about it? How do we use the technologies and the capabilities that you have in our retail presence and continue to move product? And at that point, we were in about 75 stores and, you know, we really weren't focused predominantly on e-commerce and e-commerce deliveries from, from their commerce site. We were doing a lot of the pro movements, big and bulky and complex moves into job sites and more B2B and more contractor based. And, uh, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. We said, sure, we can do it. And over the next month, we, you know, we, we took everything we did and we made it ready for onboarding and market launches through, through video. And we worked with their store management team and launched programs across the country in record time because, you know, I think that's, that's an example of what's possible with the right partner at the table who really wants to achieve something needs to achieve something. And we've got other stories. Of course, there's, there's, there's plenty and there's not all the way through to, you know, big multinationals like the home Depot. but we're really proud of that relationship at the end of 2020. Um, it's not commonly known, but they actually rewarded us with, you know, supply chain partner of the year. And, you know, that, that reward, yeah, thank you. goes to, you know, longstanding, you know, major companies that have worked with them for a long time. And uh, I think it shows the level of trust they have in us. And it, and it's not just, like I was saying, not just big, big partners like the Home Depot. We have some really great success stories with some, some small companies as well. One that comes to mind is Color X in, in Toronto. They're a small independent paint uh, outfit. And, uh, you know, we, we, we worked with, uh, worked with the team there and, you know, helped them more than double their sales through online and they went ahead and opened a new store and we became their, their single source partner. And, and, and we take those relationships every bit as serious as we do the home Depot. And I think it's, it's working together to figure out what is the customer journey? Right. What is, what really, how do you want to position your brand and finding a way to use 
you know, asset-less logistics solutions. That's what that's what we do. At the, at the heart of it, you know, we believe we're we're changing the face of of logistics where we once not that long ago needed to buy our trucks, put our logos on them and have our drivers trained to move our product and today we're proving that, you know, you can still do that. We can do it maybe a little more cost effectively by opening up to independent owner operators, putting them into an open marketplace, allowing that resource to be shared amongst multiple, multiple merchants and multiple retailers, really optimizing that person's day, shortening the distance that they have to travel, shortening their reaction times, and finding out that you can not only deliver pizzas on demand, you can deliver major B2B movements and pallets and big and bulky all the way through to t-shirts and socks in the same way. And you can create programs that, you know, from where we're sitting, it's about, you know, having this endless well of, of driver capacity sitting in a marketplace that you can take as much or as little as you want on demand. Well, your the beginning of your answer really pains me because obviously Home Depot is a competitor of mine, but yeah. I love the transparency. It's the right answer. Um, we, uh, I know we've engaged from a, a home hardware perspective well over a year ago. Uh, unfortunately, I had just started my career here and um, then COVID got in the way. So uh, the next time you do a podcast, I want to change that answer. So um, to my friends at uh, the Home Depot, congratulations for the head start <laughs> for sure. I appreciate that um, transparency. But um, hey, so let's let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> the question. I know it comes an FAQ for you is like, what is your capacity? Um, what's your what's your reach across this big country of ours, and uh, and how do you service it? Yeah, we've we've truly we've truly we're truly national in Canada. Uh, we've got a big geography with a lot of places in between, but we are in everywhere from Victoria Island to Newfoundland and uh, most places in between. Obviously, the bigger cities uh, have a larger driver pool in them, but we're in Winnipeg, Regina, Edmonton, Calgary, uh, Abbotsford in BC, for example, is a small town, uh, New Brunswick, P- Prince Edward Island. Uh, we've we've truly we've truly taken our core services and ran them straight across the country, and so that means almost anywhere we sell product in the country, you can get a small, medium, or large vehicle on demand from Go For. That's a car, a cargo van, or a straight truck um, that can service your customers in as little as three hours. And you know, I think our bigger markets, you know, we move upscale a little bit. We go all the way into the three ton, the five tons, the the uh, the flatbed um, trucks, but our core, our core is straight across the country and it has a, a huge amount of capacity in it. That's great. And I watched your podcast the other day and w- on that podcast, you touched on the last mile and how important that is for e-commerce. Uh, and you touched on it a, a couple of times and I agree it's, it's a critical piece that we're trying to solve. And I think go for has a really good solution. Do you want to touch on the last mile delivery? Yeah, well, that last mile—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's where we work every day. It's—it's it's what we're about. It's um, you know, the ability for you and us to, you know, from the point of purchase online, uh, we start—we start the clock. Um, we have 180 minutes if you choose a, uh, the need for an express delivery. Um, the store fills it in about you know 40 to 45 minutes is what we give ourselves, and we give ourselves about two hours to deliver plus or minus 15 minutes on either side. And we've got 180 minutes to, to complete a successful delivery. Um, so we look at every order uh, every day down to the minute, um, figuring out if and where and when we are doing that and why why not. Um, that's really at the heart of what of what we're about. Um, we, we believe, you know, customers want what they want when they want it, and they want it now. Um, nine times out of 10, it's, 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 it's okay to wait sometimes, but but most times now it's, I really want that instant gratification. And, you know, the, that speed element is really helping blur the lines from e-com point of purchase to, you know, physical goods in my hand. We, we kind of call it a magical experience um, because our customers say that to us a lot. It was like, wow, I ordered this and at nine o'clock at, during breakfast and by noon I was actually using it. Um, it's, it's kind of exciting still. And, you know, I run this business every day and, it, it never fails to amuse me when, you know, things happen instantaneously like that at a, at a, at a reasonable price. And, uh, 
I think that's at the heart of what we do. Of course, we do do we do offer same day, and there are needs for same day, and we do like you know order aggregation um, and and route optimization around you know getting some more capacity out of our vehicles. We do we spend a lot of time doing that. We do we call it consolidated pickup and delivery for same day. So we might go to a warehouse, fill a truck. We might go on thirty stops for that day or a hundred stops for that day, and bring the truck back empty. Uh, we also do scheduled services so if you want it next monday and next monday do you want it same day or do you want it three hours and we can get really precise on that and we're you know we're taking all of that and even pushing ourselves forward a little bit more with things like vip and front of the line service so we know a lot of our of our business happens very early in the morning in the construction world so we've created you know a front of the line program where if, if you need something dropped at a location at a very precise time, i.e. 7:30, 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, we'll we'll make that happen the day before, and you'll get that that front of the line access to our drivers. And so then the pro, the pro shopper must really love that, like to be able yeah. to come in first thing in the morning, be served with your stuff ready to ship, and or get get it on site. Um, it has to be so beneficial to a pro that's trying to get a job done in an efficient manner and, and take the worry about when these products are going to arrive. Absolutely. I mean, we see it in, in all, in all contractors, you know, um, the night before they're doing their punch list. Um, they're getting up, you know, an obscene amount early in the morning, they're heading off and they're with their white truck and they're filling up those, uh, those materials for the day. And mm-hmm. if we can become a trusted delivery source for them, that's predictable, highly communicative, ability to react to their needs they can start trusting us and so what we see is i don't have to spend an hour and a half in the morning doing that i can go right to the job site know it's going to be there and i can take all that pressure off of them um they get more time to do what they do best and 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 do the do the their trades that that earn them the income as opposed to worrying about materials and material handling um so yeah we see we see a lot of uptake on that and then likewise, when it comes to e-commerce, we see a lot of utility around some of the VIP services that we are we are developing this year with, uh, you know, hearing loud and clear, you need to cross the threshold or, you know, I need I need the opportunity or at least the option, you know, to put this in the black car. Um, I need this is a very special customer with a special need. I don't want it riding along with other product. I, I need a little bit more care and, and custody of this, um, you know, all the way down to signatures are required or there are certain people we're looking for with special instructions and really starting to, you know, round out the corners of our service offering into, you know, unique and tailored aspects combined with looking out for our core, which is that those contractors that, that use a lot of material on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And I mean, what a value for a DIYer, right? Like I, I had a project this weekend where I was working on my garden, my garden, I make it sound like it's a small project, but it was 50, 50 feet wide by four feet deep, this garden in the backyard. And throughout that process, I've probably made three trips back to stores and doing curbside pickup, trying to pick up items that I forgot from the first two trips. Um, and I just lost hours of labor. And then you're, you're looking at the sky and the weather report is 90% chance of rain. Whereas as I knew I needed these items to be able to order and have it delivered to me within three hours so I can keep the work going and the progress going, it would have relieved so much stress. So that that three hour delivery window is, is gotta be uh, a big benefit for consumers that are working on projects. And and that's, and that's how go for started, right? That was the origin and the thesis on, on, on what we built was, you know, like you, you know, you're building a garden, but like a, like a, like a, a full-fledged construction site, we're building a house and, you know, we run out of, we run out of materials and inevitably people put the tools down and they have, you know, an impact on productivity as the foreman goes and gets the coffees and loads up on materials. And some hours later, he's back on site, but there's a real degradation of, of the work at hand happening there. And uh, that, that was, that's the mission that GoFor has been on. How do we solve that? You know, the last year and through COVID um, obviously has changed some of that and uh, moved us into other areas just just by sure demand. Um, the upsurge in online shopping has been pretty unprecedented and, you know, had us easily move into these new spaces. And I think we're we're excited about that because now we're 
we're doing multiple different things with our capabilities. And I, you know, we like to talk these days about some of the work we're doing at the malls. Um, you know, we've got a partnership with Oxford properties that just launched a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, here we are a construction delivery company who's now working with, you know, some of the biggest retailers in the business. And we're pretty, pretty excited about what's possible. Um, but we didn't see it coming quite honestly. These are the silver linings that happen um, again, where there's a will, there's a way. And, uh, you know, people knocked on our doors and we, we, uh, we said, sure, let's give it a go. And, and here we are, you know, a year and a half later thinking about how we can move across the country in a, in a, in a retail capacity and linking up to e-commerce and, and digitizing some of those omni-channel um, touch points that customers have been craving. Yeah, I, I think you guys are doing a fantastic job. I think one question, though, my audience is probably thinking about, because um, a lot of people are in the e-commerce space and, you know, we have to look at the profit and loss and, you know, is there an opportunity to monetize the shipping? Like, are consumers willing to pay for that three-hour delivery versus, you know, most of the time now we offer free shipping at a certain threshold, whether it be 49 or 69 whatever those dollar amounts are. But for that convenience, are you finding consumers are, are saying, yeah, I'll, I'll pay for that convenience and can can a retailer take some margin off of that shipping and, and be able to pass that pass it on to their bottom line so they continue to improve their, their sites and their site experience? Yeah. And it, it does really vary by price point. Like, you know, we, we, we have to put this into context. So when it comes to, you know, buying a 300 pound, $2,000 barbecue, people are like, yes, this is a no brainer, right? right. For, I can't put this in my car. It's difficult to handle at best. And uh, if you can do that for that price, I'm, I'm happy to do it. But when it comes to a t-shirt and, you know, maybe smaller items that aren't so uh, expensive or so difficult to, to maneuver, it becomes a little bit of a different value proposition. Right. And so what we work every day on is figuring out those unit economics and those, those solution sets that are really going to lead the change of customer behaviors and then slowly it'll start to move into other categories and so for the example at the you know for the mall work you know to hit to hit a price point that's you know going to work for uh, most purchases at a mall that can be carried away in your car you're, you're going to need to lower those price points and we're going to do that through aggregation and the ability to get the coat the shoes and the pants put them into one box right? Keep it sustainable, not make three different trips, not package it three times, bring the box out of the mall as you would a, a consumer, uh, put it in a tote uh, that's reusable and, and make that, that delivery route as, as dense and as optimized as possible so that we can, we can lower the barrier to entry. But for the first time, you know, provide options. You know, it's not maybe everybody won't want that, but there will be a need someday for different use cases for that. We want to have those options available. And then likewise, we want to have the ability to take anything in the mall. So right. I see a table, I see a coach, I'd like it now. Um, well, you can have it now. Um, why, why not? And long gone are the days of booking appointments and figuring out what postal code you're in and taking half a day off work and then waiting for the delivery guy who seems to, my house is always the last one on the route. So it's, it's the longer side of the delivery uh, period you know, we can now with confidence say, yeah, it's going to be delivered in the next few hours. And uh, that predictability and that open communication, you know, through, through electronics, through digitization of, of messaging, you know, knowing where the truck is, watching the truck move brings a great deal of confidence to the experience. And so I think people are fascinated in that. Um, but back to your, back to your question uh, quickly, Chris is, you know, I think customers, it's surprising what they're willing to pay for. And, you know, maybe it's been overshadowed by COVID, um, but the, the, the volumes are, are certainly there. Um, I think, I think it's, you know, bestowed on us to figure out how we, how we monetize it, um, to profitability, which really means we have to address sustainability, right? The elephant in the room is we, we can't deliver everything every day in a car. On fossil fuels, we we gotta we've gotta start thinking a little differently about this. Yeah, agreed. And and you know you touched on the podcast some innovation. So I think maybe this is a great time to um, to introduce a new guest and bring in mm -hmm. Alan Tan and have a conversation about um, 
the innovative solutions that you guys are looking to bring to market. Welcome to Delivering E-Commerce. Uh, this is an exciting episode for me because uh, so many times in retail, you talk about innovation and innovation is, you know, let's roll out some more lockers or let's uh, <laughs> let's do, let, let's go and we'll do some personalization. But those things are maybe accelerating, but they're not necessarily truly innovative. And from the podcast that I listened to, just yesterday that the two of you guys had a great conversation on the work you're doing, um, I think is really innovative, especially in the Canadian market. So, um, Alan, I would love for you to, uh, to talk about your company and, and how you're partnering with GoFor. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks for inviting us uh, over here to this uh, session. So for our area, we are formed in 2018 and uh, we are looking the reason why we are formed is because the market is dominated by what we call at that time toys, because those are DJI drones that um, some of them in this time now they have enterprise, but at that time they're all like just Mavic, couple, one or two kilograms maximum. They cannot really do much. And a lot of people was like complaining. It's like, hey, what if we can do um you know deliver listing by drones or what if we can actually look at this have this sensor carried by the drones and they are up there like five kilograms or so so we're like okay that's right there's not many enterprise drones that can handle this and most people are buying like the one thousand two thousand dollars drone to do what they need to do it's good for photography don't get me wrong but if you really need to move stuff you need something like a workhorse like um, I used to be a pilot and we used to fly on C-130s. Then I've been flying hot shots, like using Navajos, uh, extra aircraft, mm -hmm. the workhorse and delivering heavy stuff to the ISAN as because that time is money for them. So it was like, what is the workhorse right now for the regulators? So that's why we came up with this idea to do Aurora Era, make it customizable with a huge payload put whatever you want, and then adapt it to the client's workflow. Most important, it fit within your workflow. And the best mm -hmm. thing is, if we can automate it, that's what Industrial 4.0 is. That's excellent. And and for anyone that doesn't know your company, it's about drone delivery, right? It's, um, it's about um, what's the one question I had from the video that I saw earlier, the podcast was when you are thinking about the drone delivery, what's the size of the packages that we could actually really think that's going to be delivered? And and Chris, you and I touched on a conversation earlier. What I thought was unique was how you're thinking about delivering those products, whether it's to a home or actually to a vehicle, which was uh, really eye-opening for me about the, the thought process behind what you guys are doing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to explore a, a number of different uh, avenues, right, with Alan and, and Aurora Aerial. We're you know, I think the partnership is 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 about innovation, right? So, you know, I think the, the you know, there's obviously from the retailer to the home um, is the most obvious straight path, you know, delivery. But there's some there's some things that get in the way there, right? These are these are large vehicles and they make a lot of noise and they're intimidating. And we've got to recognize that customers aren't going to really come along a journey if they can't be if it's not approachable for them, if they can't understand it, if it causes any kind of you know, um, worry for them. So how do we bridge that? And then, you know, regulations, Alan's been teaching us a lot about, you know, controlled takeoff and controlled landing in, in confined spaces that are, you know, without injury and, and other safety concerns. So from the store, you know, we can control it. We can also control it at, at where the truck is. And so maybe there's a replenishment activity that's going to happen from the store to the truck. So the truck remains in a dense area. It does the the final block delivery, and the drone does the more stem mileage delivery. We're looking at that, and then Alan will will kick it off and talk a little bit more about multiple drones and and all the things that are going to gain efficiencies on on making this operationally ready. Did I hit it all? Yeah, yeah that's right. Thanks, Chris. So you know, for us, our area, we are a drone manufacturer. So. What it means is that with that capability of it, we can design what goes below and what is our undercarriage. Um, we find that big and bulky, um, depending on what you call it, we try to have it attach them safely and securely. So 
you may even find that right now we are delivering uh, a payload box that's about one foot by one foot by one foot so that we can deliver them. Um, but we are working on solutions that can be bigger, you know, two mm -hmm. foot by one foot, slowly expanding. We need to test out what will be the optimum. For us, we know that our aircraft can carry a payload of 10 kilograms. Um, if within the regulation right now, the regulators only allow 25 kilogram maximum takeoff weight because we are working with the regulators to be what they call crawl walk run. We slowly perform, get more data, make sure they're comfortable. Then we move on to the next stage and get bigger and move on. So the next point that we have is that our aircraft at 34 kilogram maximum takeoff weight, we can carry about 15 to 20 kilograms of payload so mm -hmm. but again we are not jumping right up there because we want the regulators to be comfortable so there is a few other companies as well um, but most of them we know that is having a typical five kilogram so we want to work with regulators that's why we even brought on just this month um dr ellie ferguson who used to be down south in the United States, working for a very big manufacturer as well, head of regulate, uh, regulatory. And she's here to help us work with the regulators in Canada and worldwide because we're looking at spending this one in the States as well. Because that's where Go4 is. <laughs> Go4 has a big plan to be in the States as well, and we hope to support them as well. Absolutely. So, so one of the, uh, Alan, one of the uh, guests I had on a previous podcast, Matt LeBeau, he talked about having to be proactive working with the government, working with regulators, because in his industry, the health food industry, um, the government may not have had the exact expertise and really relied on partnerships from, from him and other retailers to educate and guide and help build those, those regulations. Is that kind of the process that you're going through right now is where you're kind of the authority, so you're educating and helping them groom those, those and have comfort, first of all, with the concept, because... Uh, I can imagine that there's so many liabilities in people's minds that they're worried about that you need to help them overcome and feel secure about allowing you to to um, you know take on new risks. Exactly, we are we are we work with the authorities, so we are like the guinea pigs for them. We crawl, we crawl first, learn how to crawl, make sure they see that we did not fall, we did not injure ourselves, and then we do that. <laughs> so that is why we are you know going in the rural area where the liability is very low and we're going to try our multiple ship deployment and this summer so when that right now we have already did a small case whereby a small area 400 meters 500 meters three ships deployment that works so the next one we're going to try is a longer distance while maintain visual line outside yeah and then in the rural space because the key, the main thing to help to add the uh, to reduce the bottom line for Go4 and his team, or uh, to the even the whole logistic chain, is to have the multiple deployment. Imagine one pilot, mm -hmm. you can fly five drones. That means you're doing five delivery at a single time within the three minutes. That wow. do your math, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and the and next thing that we're gonna the, try, uh, you know, as we. You talk about last the the last mile, but what I think about it is store of the community, right? So instead of from a DC um, having an order ship from a DC to a consumer, when you can do in store fulfillment from a from a drone and have it shipped just just down the road, mm -hmm. uh, and have one pilot sending out five packages at once, that's pretty efficient. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see those drones in the air. That's for sure because that will, you know customers' expectations, it used to be three to five days, no problem. They'll wait for their product. And then it then they became down to two days. And then the next day delivery, and now same day. And the customer's expectation, especially on pro stuff for projects that they want or a new item to market for those early adopters, they have this urgency that we just can't satisfy no matter how fast it gets. I think there was a there's a great uh, comedian and I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he talks about Amazon and he says, I want it now. And he goes, actually, I want it before I even know I want it. I want Amazon <laughs> just to know that this, this product needs to be at my house and deliver it without me even asking for it. So, I mean, we're not quite there yet, but having a drone delivery 
within minutes to your home from a store is is pretty impressive. Yeah, I think there's lots of opportunity for us. And, you know, we, we like the instant delivery aspect of it. You know, how far will it go before it's gone too far? I guess the consumers will tell us that. But right. when we think about, you know, launching drones from, you know, shopping malls and we think about what's in a shopping mall from your dry cleaning to your eyeglasses to your bank statements to the food court and everything in between, um, speed will be a dominant factor. I mean, Alan and I talk a lot about not just the last mile when we talk about drones, we talk about the last block delivery um, right. and, and and how do we start to run, you know, his his ships in, in tight spaces um, that are safe, predictable, but we're really going to bring together the f- digital internet and the physical internet for the first time. And as quick as you can click, things are going to arrive. And, and, you know, Chris, to your point, almost like they're reading our minds with, through AI and ML, which will be kind of scary. And we'll see how much uh, customers push back at some level and say, that's this is a little bit too much, too much Star Wars for me. Um, but I think when you think about innovation and you think about partnerships and what's possible, it's your, it's your goal to, to really push those envelopes and, and see what will stick. Yeah. So, with the technology, you guys are testing it. You're you're learning from all these tests. Where's it going? When when do you see see this being an actual in market um, reality for for retailers? And uh, it better not be HD that gets the uh, the benefit of it. It should be HH that gets the benefit of this one. So that's right. Uh, when do you think this would actually be in market? A true? Is it two years? Is it a year? Is it three? Where where's this thing going? Well, for me, is um, I mean, the technology. I think we are almost there. Um, we are just proving it out. The main stop, uh, the showstopper would be regulators, and how fast can the public accept? So first, we need to have the public acceptance to it because a lot of them is just thinking. A lot of the people, it's like that's just fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. and then you got to accept that, and then. Also, we need to collect, we need to do a lot of trust to collect data. Um, I was just on another call this morning um, that United States is uh, having this 580 hours of requirement to collect enough data before they release you to fly anywhere. So when that is the case, I mean, the Canadian regulators have to come up with their own way to determine what is called reliable. And our job is to provide them as much data as possible to get them comfortable and along with the public acceptance so those two is the key and how long does it take i would say that in united states there is about five places they have that doing pilot program within the small town across Mm -hmm. the so-called campus or small town and in canada we are spearheading that right now in vancouver and toronto within a consortium that's called CAM, CAM, and we are trying to do that as well. Um, so depending on the result from all these trials worldwide and what the regulators are sharing, we could see it in the next two years, mm-hmm. if not faster. But it could be slower if they found some like data that is uh, like of concern, then they need to actually change it. Like, But if everything goes well, it could be about in the next two years to three years, we could see that and I am pretty sure that, you know, rural area would come in first. So mm-hmm. the delivery for the rural side would come in first because it's less rich. In the urban area, it would make it would have to take a bit longer, about five years at mm-hmm. least. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, two years is not that far off. So, <clears throat> I mean, that gives us retailers some time to start making sure we have our ducks in a row so that way the delivery systems can actually do what you guys do best. But ultimately we we can do a lot better to make sure we understand our customers needs in 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 that period um, so that way we can work with you guys to give you recommendations on how to service those customers better for a successful go to market launch so uh, thank you so much Alan uh, that's that's great information uh, Chris is there any other notes that you wanted to talk about with your your partnership there no I, I think I think that covers it I mean for for us, we're just, I think you had it, Chris, we're really excited about, you know, logging hours and, and, and testing variations that, you know, can be well accepted by the public and bringing that to some of our partners to say, 
what do you think about this? Because the you know the more people are nodding and understanding where we're going and and building solutions that are pragmatic, right? So that you know, I think that from store to to truck is is very pragmatic. People can envision that, and uh, you know, the more we can test and pilot those things, that's what that's what we're really trying to do with Aurora Aerial. And we believe, you know, to your point, two years is going to go by really fast. It's about preparing now. And, uh, and Alan and his team are helping us, uh, helping us navigate that front. I'm excited about it. I mean, ultimately, every time I forget the batteries at the store, I can instantly get on my phone, order those batteries, and have a drone probably beat me home. Um, <laughs> that would be great. So thank you so much, Alan. I appreciate that. If you're welcome to stay for the, the conversation, uh, we just I want to touch on a few things Chris and I talked about earlier. Um, you know, we talked about some of the competitive nature of the marketplace and both of us agree that the whole industry, uh, regardless of what's the brand label on the, the box needs to be more collaborative. Um, if we really want to have change and we really want to have e-commerce and an omni-channel experience, I think a lot of us have to work collaboratively to make that happen. And uh, Chris, I just want you to, you had some great comments about that earlier today and, and touch on, on how we should be more collaborative in this, in, especially in the Canadian market as we're, we're still behind the U.S. And I think if we can do those things together, we'll, we'll speed up our growth and maturity in this market. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for me personally, I think, you know, collaboration is the future of business success that, you know, without it, uh, it's, it's going to be hard to, to really be in a, you know, in a, in a, in a winning position. So as, as I think about retail and we think about how retail is changing and it's changing faster than ever before, right? Um, through the last year and, and beyond, it, it's going to not slow down. Um, there's just a surge of, of the transition. We, we really need to start to think about the complexities that we're entering into, right? Through the omni-channel of, of the what is the in-store experience? What is the online experience? How do they link up? How do we look at you know, all these as- aspects of it from, you know, high tech to process and through what are the training programs for our associates. Um, it's hard to imagine that any one retailer can traverse this amount of change that we're going to see in the next three to five years from redesigning supply chains to rethinking what is the store's role in in the service equation to manning a fleet of your own vehicles for delivery and finding finding all these partners to not only just drive tech, but to drive new ways of training and new ways of moving product and, and measuring things. Uh, it's, it's all in play and, and customers, you know, they're not, they're not going to be sitting around waiting for you to get there. They're expecting you to, to get there quicker. And I think that's where collaboration and partnerships uh, are really going to, to help those that are open to it, move, move quicker and, and, and yield, yield better results. Um, and in the end, but, uh, you know, we, we so we, we, we feel that, you know, partnerships that, that, we, that we have with our company and with our partners, it's, it's really about that transparency and being open um, to acting as if, you know, you were the brand and, and, and you work for, for that end customer equally. One of the interesting things that we see is we, we ask our customers to rate our service every day mm-hmm. at a one out of five stars and, and you know, provide us some comments. And we're really proud that we, you know, we hit a, a 98 plus uh, uh, success rate uh, on our on-time delivery and we get a 4.8, 4.9 star rating pretty consistently from our customers. But we we look at the comments and when we do get those ones and twos, it often reads as if we were the store. Right. I mean, it clearly was delivered by go for it. It says that in the message and regardless of what we say or how we message it, I bought this from that retailer. You know, I bought this brand of product. And I think, uh, I think retailers are, are going to, you know, need to understand that it is their brand. It's their reputation. And, you know, we like to think go for as in a brand extension to that, to that relationship that we bring. And so it's important that, that we recognize, you know, the value propositions. It's important that we re- recognize how to react and how to make decisions on behalf of our retail partners. And, that doesn't come without, you know, a real intimacy and a real level of collaboration that I don't think we see all that often. And, and it's going to be more and more required. 
No, I love the way you said the extension piece of that quote there. And um, I wish I was able to pull that quote out and, and highlight it because look, ultimately when you, when you partner with any partner, whether it's a logistics partner, an advertising partner, if you, if they're not an extension of your business and you don't give them transparency to your goals, your objectives, your numbers, your margins, Exactly. Then, then you're missing a big gap in that partnership and it will probably fail because one will win and one will lose versus having a win-win created for that group of people trying to reach a goal. So you, you nailed it. I appreciate you bringing up that point. Hey, I know we're like 50 minutes into this thing and I'm, I, I can talk for two more hours, no problem. <laughs> but I wanted to give our audience the opportunity to be able to connect with both of you. So Alan, I'll start with you. If anyone's looking to connect with you, whether it be on LinkedIn or whatever social platform, how can they connect with you, Alan? Yeah, they can be connecting to me at uh, our Alan, A-L-A-N, at auraarrow.arrow, or even on LinkedIn, just search me up. I'm one of the few, Alan Day, uh, from <laughs> Aura Era as well. So, Excellent. Thank you, Alan. And Chris? Yeah, so for me, I mean, search me up on LinkedIn, Chris Chris Jarvis. Um, you can reach me by email at, at cjarvis at gofordelivers.com uh, or check out gofor at gofordelivers.com. Uh, um, pretty easy to find us. Great, great. Uh, hopefully people will take the advantage at least to have a dialogue and a conversation with you guys. You're doing some amazing things. I appreciate you being part of delivering e-commerce. And I think this is officially my fourth episode. If you take out of awesome. the question and answer that I did the other day. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Hopefully the audience is getting to find some good partners that they can leverage to grow their business. And um, congratulations on that win with HD. I love the folks over there. I have a ton of friends there. So um, that's great. I always say in this industry, we become, become frenemies. Because yeah. You, you work so collaboratively, you cross paths so many times, um, but uh, the, the folks over there, the team over there does such a great job and uh, you should be proud of getting that acknowledgement. Good for you. And Excellent. Alan, once again, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Guys, thanks for the conversation. Uh, I'll welcome you back anytime and uh, have a great night. Thanks for having us. Thank thanks for having us, Chris. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Delivering E-Commerce. It's our passion to have on leaders and suppliers in e-commerce from around the globe, setting you and your strategy up for the next level. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with Chris on LinkedIn at Chris Parsons. On YouTube at Chris Parsons Delivering E-Commerce. And on Twitch at Chris Parsons 1976. Till next time, this is Delivering E-Commerce.